We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall never surrender until in God's good time, the new world with all its power and might steps forth to the rescue and the liberation of people. In times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left. On today's show, I'm going to answer the question, is it true that nearly 30% of millennials now identify as trans and nearly 40% of Gen Zers? I'm going to also answer the question as to why I talk about it so much and why we should care. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. Good morning and welcome to The Rebellion. Thank you so much for listening into the show. Today I'm going to talk about these surveys that have been coming out in recent months, which tell us that 30%, that's 30, 30% of millennials now identify, quote unquote, as transgendered. And that nearly 40% of Gen Zers identify the same way. Is this true? Is this data reliable? That we've moved to 30% of millennials and 40% of Gen Zers aligning themselves with the transgender movement and identifying as transgender themselves. What does that mean? I'm going to review the data as it was reported in Newsweek when they cited the conservative pollster George Barna and his research. I'm going to talk about that. I'm going to also share with you a clip of an interview with Tucker Carlson recently, where he talked to a 23-year-old woman, a real woman, a biological woman, who is detransitioning. She went through all of this nonsense. She was getting therapy to transition into being a male, when in fact she's not. She started all of this when she was 12 years of age. And the medical establishment and the psychological and the counseling profession actually enabled her to do all of this. And now she's come to her senses, and she's actually going on the circuit, the media circuit, and she's talking about why this was all wrong and how she was essentially abused by her elders, by her parents, by her teachers, by the counselors, and by the doctors who actually enabled all of this body-denying, science-denying, reality-denying nonsense in her life and the damage that it caused. And I'll, I'll also share with you a story of Laura Perry, a woman that I've talked about before on the show, but I want to share with you my involvement with her and why our voice matters. And if I have time, I might also throw in a book deal that I had once that was canceled with a conservative publisher simply because I wanted to tackle this issue, and they said, no, we're not going to go there. So that's a summary of today's show. Let's take a break, and when I get back, we'll start out with this brief, uh, I think it's a minute 30, maybe two-minute um, audio clip of this interview with Tucker Carlson. It's very enlightening, and it sets the stage for everything else I want to talk about today. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion, and I'll be right back in a couple minutes. Okay, welcome back to The Rebellion. Why am I tackling this again? 
If you listen to my show at all, you know that I don't shy away from this issue. I go back time and time again, and I address it. And why? Before we get into sharing the information with you today, let's answer the question, why? Why is it important? Why do I keep replaying the same story over and over again? Why do I keep featuring this particular topic on this show? Well, there are a couple reasons. Number one, I'm not the one who keeps making it national news. The LGBTQIA cabal is. The progressive left, they continue to double down in pushing this on us. And if we don't respond to it, we are guilty of what Bonhoeffer warned us of. Silence in the face of evil is evil itself. God will not hold us guiltless. We have the responsibility to respond. When the Nazis are putting people in Auschwitz and Dachau, and they're killing Jews, and they're burning them in furnaces, it's our obligation to speak up and say this is wrong. You can't just cover it once, twice, three times. You need to keep addressing the issue until the Nazis stop. When the British were leading the world in the slave trade, William Wilberforce kept speaking to the issue time and time again, repeatedly. Over the course of 20 years... 20 years on the floor of the British Parliament, he wouldn't relent. He kept talking about slavery, the slave trade, and why it was wrong over and over again. Why? Was it his, was it his issue? No, not necessarily. It was his culture's issue, and they wouldn't stop doing it, so he confronted it until they did. And we need to do the same thing in the face of this evil. It is wrong for us to abuse our children, and it is child abuse, by telling them that there's something they're not and enabling them to butcher their bodies chemically or surgically. It's just wrong. We should not be doing that. And that's just the physical consequence and the psychological consequence. What about the spiritual consequence of enabling our kids to think that they can start defining who they are and that God isn't the definer of their humanity. That they will ignore God, shake their fist in his face, deny everything that is real about him and about themselves, and become the creators of their own identity rather than accept the fact that God is the creator of all. If we allow our kids and our grandkids to imbibe this Kool-Aid and believe this lie, then we're responsible. And I'm not going to relent. I'm going to keep bringing it up over and over and over again. Just like Wilberforce would not relent on slavery, and just like those who were fighting the Nazi regime, like Bonhoeffer, would not relent to the point of his own execution. I am not going to relent on this issue because it's critical. It's so critical to the health and well-being of our progeny as well as to the very soul and fabric of our culture. So to answer the question, why do I keep bringing this up over and over again? Well, I'm not the one who's making it national news. Joe Biden is. The Democrats are. The LGBTQIA cabal is. The Southern Poverty Law Center and the Human Rights Campaign, they're the ones that keep bringing it up over and over again. Hollywood, the entertainment industry, and my own industry, education. 
They're the ones that keep bringing this issue to the forefront. They're the ones that are trying to indoctrinate our children. They're the ones who are grooming kids as young as two years of age. As I recently cited at Oklahoma State University, right now as we speak, they're sponsoring drag queen story hours for two-year-olds. They're grooming them. They're confusing them. They're preying on them. They're abusing them. And I'm not going to shut up about it, nor should you. You should be angry that the data shows that 30% of millennials now identify as trans, and 40% of Gen Zers identify as trans. And yes, those numbers are factual. I'm going to share with you right now the survey data, as reported by George Barna, that proves it. But first, before I do that, before I go through that data very quickly, I want you to listen to this brief audio clip in an interview with a woman by the name of Helena, who actually tells Tucker Carlson about her story, about her journey, and about how these people, the teachers, probably even the preachers, the people, the older people, her mentors, her counselors, her professors, I assume maybe even her mom and dad, I don't know that for a fact, but the doctors and the counselors that abused this woman and enabled her enabled her to deny reality and butcher her body and her soul. Listen to this. I'm not going to play the entire clip because it's too long. I'm just going to play the introduction and up to the point where they transition to a brief, brief comment by Tucker Carlson. Here it is. I am Helena. I'm 23 years old. When I was about 15, I started using Tumblr. I had an eating disorder since I was pretty young. There's a lot of messages that said, if you feel bad about your body, that means you're trans. I was just going through this period of like, I don't like how I'm treated as a cis person. I don't want to be cis because cis means you're uncool and you're privileged and you're an oppressor and you're bad. And I don't want to be that. In that way, I was really incentivized to try to figure out a way to make my voice heard in these communities. And obviously, I can't change my race. I can't really change my sexuality. Um, So the only thing left was to start playing around with the gender stuff. So I decided to call myself a demi-girl, which is one of the 40 million genders. And that basically means that I'm mostly a girl, but I'm a little bit not a girl, which is just like, what does that even mean? And then after that, I went to demi-boy. And then after that, I went to gender gender fluid. And after that, I eventually went to trans-boy. But all this took like two or three years of just going through this repetitive cycle of changing this identity and changing it again. And it was just never enough. There was a lot of hopelessness for a long time, a lot of regret. The, the feeling of regret was intense. Ah, it's a moving interview, and there's a lot more of it in the episode. Helena joins us on set now. Helena, thanks so much for coming on. There's something so sad about that. First of all, thank you for speaking up, because your voice does matter, I think, in this conversation. But you felt what every young woman I've ever met 
felt at a certain age, which is uncomfortable with yourself. And it feels like you were exploited at that moment of weakness. Okay, that's just the introduction to about a five-minute interview between Tucker Carlson and this woman. Now, when you listen to her introductory comments, doesn't your heart break? Because she's a confident young woman, a 23-year-old female, who has the courage to actually admit that she was wrong and to shine a light on those who enabled her to double down on that sin, on being wrong, on making poor decisions. I mean, one of the obligations of parents is to stop your children from hurting themselves, to encourage them to grow up and become mature adults that take responsibility for doing things that are right and askew the temptations to do things that are wrong. Can't we agree that that's a self-evident truth of good parenting? To, To teach your kid not to put his hand on the stove or burning flame. To teach your kid to stay out of the road. And to teach him that he is responsible for his own choices and his own behavior and that there are good choices that can be made, and here's the definition of them, and there are bad choices that can be made, and we'll define those for you too. And we'll help you understand the difference between good and bad, good and evil, because we want you to be a good person, quote-unquote. We don't want you to be an evil person, quote-unquote. Now, as a Christian, I, I believe that human character Uh, is broken, and that there is such a thing as the original sin, and that we're all falling short of the glory of God, and the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I don't believe there's any such thing as a quote-unquote good person. I think we need to be redeemed. We need to be born again. We can't accept the fact that we're born that way, born into sin. We can become new creations in Christ. We can be transformed. We don't have to buy the lie of being transgendered. You get my point? But but in, 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 in spite of that reality, that biblical fact that none of us are truly good, there's only one thing, one entity, one person that's good, and that is God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In fact, Jesus makes that pretty clear. Why do you call me good? Only God is good. I think he's asking that rhetorically. He's pointing out the fact that, yes, he is good. You're calling him good. But recognize that it's God who is ultimately good, without flaw, without sin, and that there's no such thing as a human being who meets that description. Okay? I digress a bit there, but I want to make sure I'm drawing the the distinction between teaching your kids to be good human beings while acknowledging the fact that there is no such thing as an ultimately good person. We all need to confess our sins and be born again. Um, But that doesn't mean we just let our kids run around like animals and behave badly. We want them to have good manners, good morals, and be good citizens. Am I making sense? I think I am. All right. So this woman is telling Tucker Carlson that her peers, her mentors, her seniors, her the adults in her life, whether it was parents, teachers, preachers, counselors, medical doctors, rather than teaching her and encouraging her to work her way through adolescence and puberty, like all of us have had to do, those, dis- those points of discomfort in our lives, those, those, those awkward times when we're maturing, whether you're male or female, you got to admit that there were times you looked in the mirror and you didn't like what you saw. You wanted to 
be stronger. You wanted to be bigger. You wanted to be prettier. You wanted to be more handsome. You wanted to be something that you didn't see in the mirror. But how did we all tackle that? We tackled that by recognizing that where there's no pain, there is no gain, that we have to work, we have to exercise. We have to recognize that that the reality of life is that you can't just change what you see in the mirror into some cartoon character of your imagination. I mean, we used to tell our kids that God doesn't make mistakes, that regardless of what you look like, regardless of who you are, male or female, athlete or musician, regardless of whether you're skinny or whether you're, uh, you're not, that God doesn't make mistakes, but you have responsibility for accepting the fact that you're created in the image of God, regardless of what you see in the mirror, and that you have the responsibility to fine-tune, to hone, to work, to be disciplined, to obey, to obey God and his principles and become new creations, to grow up. Paul says over and over again in his epistles that we have the responsibility to grow up. But no, that's not what we're doing today. We're actually teaching these kids that there's something they're not. To the point where, yes, it is true, as George Barnard reports, that 30% of millennials, 30%, I want that number to sink in. I mean, don't just skip over this show and say, that ah, can't be true. In fact, I had one of my Facebook followers when I posted this story a couple days ago say, I refuse to believe that 30% of millennials actually buy this nonsense. And I can understand that. It just sounds outrageous, doesn't it? 30%? But it gets worse. 30% of millennials identify as trans, but 40%, according to George Barna, 40% of Gen Zers are currently identifying as trans. Now, I want to ask you the question. I'm I'm going to go over the survey in a second with you, but I want to ask you the question. Assuming that I convince you in the following minutes that this data is real per George Barna's own research and reporting, and as it was conveyed in Newsweek, they picked up, a liberal magazine picked up George Barna's research. They spun it to their advantage, but they actually actually reported the actual numbers that George Barna, a conservative pollster that works for a Christian university, Arizona Christian University, He actually reported this in Newsweek, one of the more liberal magazines out there, actually picked up on the data and tried to spin it in the direction of the LGBTQ narrative. But don't buy that. That's just a lie. That's the media's ongoing attempt to take numbers that are real and spin them and manipulate them to their own agenda. The fact is we've got 30% of millennials and 40% of Gen Zers that are identifying with this rainbow cabal of multiple genders, transgender identity, LGBTQIA, that you can name it, claim it, become something that you're not. Deny biology, deny science, deny reality, embrace this neo-Gnosticism of superior knowledge. You know better than everybody else who you are. And if you think you're something that science says you're not, then you can wave a magic wand over it and take some steroids and run in and get some plastic surgery, and voila, you are now a woman when your genetics say you're a man. This is crazy land. This is literally crazy land. Well, how did we get here? Again, I'm going to share the data with you. How did we get here? 
It's because we've been teaching this crap in our schools. I've told you, here in Bartlesville, Oklahoma, you've got Scott Bilger, who's the president of the Bartlesville Public School Board. He was just reelected. I mean, the citizens of Bartlesville had an opportunity to elect somebody that stood against this stuff. But no, we elected Scott Bilger. We reelected Scott Bilger as the president of the school board when he has endorsed a politician, a local politician by the name of Emily Tendall, who identifies on, on Facebook as bi-poly, bi-poly, bisexual and polyamorous. She identifies on Facebook as that, and she buys into this nonsense by also telling us what her preferred pronouns are on Facebook. So preferred pronoun nonsense, and she actually comes out and tells everybody what her sexual proclivities are, that she's bi, and that she's polyamorous. Now, we've got a school board president endorsing somebody like that? And oh, by the way, oh, by the way, when Governor Stitt was signing the new bill that protects women's sports in Oklahoma and tells boys they can't go into showers, they can't go into bathrooms, they can't go into locker rooms, and they can't intrude into a woman's athletics, her sports. They can't take stuff away that Title IX guarantees to women and that common sense and morality and reality guarantees to women. Governor Stitt had the audacity to sign that bill into law for the state of Oklahoma. Thank you, Governor Stitt, by the way. And Emily Tendall, this woman that Scott Bilger, the president of Bartlesville Public School Board, endorsed, Emily Tyndall goes out and starts lobbying people to call Governor Stitt and tell him not to sign the bill because, quote-unquote, trans girls are girls too. (laughs) No, they're not. No, they're not. So why do we have 30% of millennials and 40% of Gen Zers buying this nonsense? It's because of it being taught in our schools and even in conservative Northeast Oklahoma. It's pervasive. It is pervasive. I've got screenshots of a classroom here in our local high school, Bartlesville High School. The trans flag hanging proudly right underneath the American flag in this classroom. And then off to the side, you've got the rainbow flag. Now, do you think the kids going into that class are being indoctrinated a little bit? Are they being intimidated a little bit? Are they being brainwashed a little bit? Are they getting a good dose of this propaganda on a daily basis while they walk into that particular teacher's classroom? Don't fool yourself by shaking your head. No, no, no. It's just they need to understand these ideas and we'll we'll correct it when they get home and we take them to Sunday school on the weekend. Baloney. There is no entity in our culture that spends more time with your children than your local schools. They spend more time there than they do with you. Let's just face facts. Your kids are spending more time at their schools than they do with you at the dinner table. So who do you think has the most influence over their values and their ideas and their identity? The stuff is coming from your schools. Let's get into the data real quickly. I probably won't have time to talk much about Laura Perry other than to say this. Laura Perry was a young woman who actually, actually went through all this stuff. She butchered her body. She had radical mastectomy, had her breasts removed. She had a hysterectomy. She had steroids injected into her. She grew a beard. She lived as Jake for 10 years. And for all appearances, you would not have been able to tell that Laura was not a man. 
But Laura was listening to conservative talk radio like this, like this show. And I happened to have been a guest on that show. And I'm not the only one that had an influence on her life. I mean, her mother and her father prayed for her for years. Her church intervened and prayed for her for decades or more. But I had the blessing of just playing a minor role in waking Laura up to the reality that she's made in the image of God. She's the Imago Dei. She's not the Imago Dog. She's made in the image of God. Imago Dei, image of God. Imago Dei, image of God. That's biblical. We're told that we are created in the image of God in the Genesis narrative, the first book of the Bible, the first couple chapters. You're made in the image of God. You're not the Imago dog. You're not made in the image of the animal. The animals don't have the thumbprint of God on their heart, mind, and soul. They are defined by their belly, by their gut. They are defined by their passions and inclinations. They do what animals do. But human beings are not defined by your libido. You should be defined by your Lord. In fact, it is your Lord that says you were made in his image. And that you shouldn't be too easily satisfied with being born into sin, born that way, that you can be born again. You can be renewed. You can be baptized. You can die to self and rise again in Christ. That's being transformed, not transgendered. Well, Laura finally understood this. Laura Perry, who was living as Jake, finally understood this. And she recognized the lie that she was living and that she had allowed people to manipulate her to control her, to abuse her to the point where she was not only butchering her body, but she was butchering her soul. And she confessed this. She repented of it. And she wrote a beautiful book titled Transformed, Not Transgendered by Laura Perry. This is a great story of another woman who detransitioned. She detransitioned by through confession, through repentance, through going home, returning to true north, accepting Christ's forgiveness, and cleansing, cleansing blood. Now, I don't know if that's what's happening with this other woman that Tucker Carlson is interviewing. I don't hear that in her story. It may be true, but I don't know for a fact. But the point is, The point is, Laura and this other woman, this Tucker Carlson interviewer, the exact same story in many ways. They're recognizing that culture and colleges and the local schools, the local teachers, the local principals, the local superintendents, the local school board president, and the local politicians and the counselors, all of these people are lying to them. They're not encouraging them to grow up and act like an adult. They're encouraging them to stay confused, stay in childhood, stay immature, to the point where they'll actually give them surgery to enable them to do so. That is not good, people. That is not good. I'm running out of time right now. I've only got a minute left. Maybe in next, uh, the next show, tomorrow's show, I can cover the George Barna data more specifically. It's pervasive. Let me just say this in closing. It is true. 30% of Gen Zers identify as trans. They have bought this terrible, terrible, self-denying, science-denying nonsense. And it's getting worse. 40% of the next generation, Gen Zers, have bought it. And there's a reason. There's a reason. 
I would argue it's because we aren't confronting it. And I'm not going to relent. I'll continue to do so as often as I can. It's the crime of the century. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion.